Welcome to episode 27 of the Woke Antidote. We're coming to you recording this a little bit later at night. TV, I think this is the latest we've recorded. It is. Uh, it's uh, just for context, it's a little after 10 p.m. Eastern uh, right now. So uh, we're going to dub this episode a little special. We're going to call it uh, Woke at Night. So. SB and I have prepared some uh, adult beverages for this episode, so hopefully we'll get some creative juices going, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, when you listen to this, uh, this should be a pretty uh, funny and entertaining episode, uh, or at least I hope so. Yeah, and look, there, there's a lot of negativity in the world. There's, there's the decline of the country we've lived in and loved, but you have to laugh, because if you're not laughing, you're going to be crying, so... We like to laugh, and we do have some great stories for you guys this week. I think the first one we have to touch on, TB, is Woke Buzz Lightyear completely failing to take off at the box office. And so this movie, projections were for 75 to $80 million for their opening weekend. They came in at 50 And the 75 to $80 million, that is even less than previous Toy Story movies have done looking back toy story 418 million opening weekend toy story 310 million so already lower and it got 50 million so i definitely think that wokeness was a big part of this now i will say there's maybe a little bit of people still don't want to come back from the pandemic maybe there's a little bit of pixar was putting movies onto disney plus straight there for a while during the pandemic so maybe the brand got hit a little bit and then maybe finally look buzz lightyear we all know and love him but it's not an actual toy story ensemble it's not part of that toy story canon out of toy story 5 so understandably maybe this movie wasn't supposed to do as well as those previous toy stories but it did significantly worse and tv i think of course it's the wokeness so i just wanted to break this down um initially to start I think there's three things that I looked at for this, which is number one, there's the lesbian kiss, right? So not central to the story. Maybe before we got all this Disney wokeness, I could kind of, you could kind of sell me on, eh, it's kind of harmless, but we can't give them the benefit of the doubt anymore because they have the videos where they specifically say they want to promote a hidden gay agenda into Pixar movies. We have that on tape. So I think parents that have seen that, they're not, not, they're not interested in going to this movie. So I think that totally was a turnoff. Number two, Tim Allen being gone. Now, we all love Buzz Lightyear because Tim Allen made the character. I mean, everybody knows Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. That is Tim Allen doing that. And so them going to Chris Evans for this, and they gave you know an excuse for it and... They said it's a little bit of a different character, and even people are, are saying, look, Tim Allen, he's doing projects with Disney+. Plus. He's doing a Santa Claus project series for them, so it's not like Disney's anti-Tim Allen. They're still giving him work, but to me, it does feel like a demotion of some kind where all of a sudden Tim Allen, who was this amazing voice of Buzz, is no longer the voice, so I think that has an impact too. And then finally, TB, I I think it's just general wokeness at Disney where 
parents these days are understanding what's going on. They see that Disney's out there. They're promoting that the don't say gay bill. And they're saying that DeSantis is crazy for it. And that the, the CEO is publicly coming out and condemning it. And I think parents understand that there is some, some questionable things happening inside of Disney. And maybe it makes sense to first see the film before actually going to it with your kids. And maybe there's a surprise on hand. There's a surprise of wokeness. Maybe there's parents also saying, you know what? I've heard about all this Disney wokeness. I don't want to give them any money anymore. So I think there's all these things, and Disney has built up a goodwill over decades of this amazing content. It's been really good. And all of a sudden now, people aren't seeing their content. And it's going to be really interesting to me to see if they do follow in the footsteps of a CNN and Warner Brothers Discovery, of a Netflix. Do they, do they eventually pivot to defunding the woke, or do they keep being as woke as, as they are and as we call it? the wokest place on earth and continue not doing as well in the stock market, having their stock down, losing money on streaming and all that. So I'm, I'm curious on if they pivot or not, but yeah, TB, this is just, it's, it's encouraging to see that, you know, despite this wokeness being made, it's like, it's finally, we're getting a sign that people are saying enough is enough. I'm not going to support this with my money and taking my kids to it. And that was just great to see this past weekend. Yeah, so there's a couple of things I want to comment on when it comes to this Buzz Lightyear movie. So I won't beat a dead horse, SP. I think you perfectly captured a lot of the pushback against Buzz the, this new movie and why uh, the ratings were so low. But also, like just from a you know simply a film perspective, the the reviews that have been coming in. I haven't watched it. I, I, frankly, I, I don't plan on watching it. But from people who I know personally who've seen it, as well as the reviews I've read online, is that the movie itself just isn't very good. That it just, like, from a plot perspective, it's not really interesting. Supposedly, this is the movie uh, that Andy watched a Buzz Lightyear that inspired um, him to buy the Buzz Lightyear toy and become a Buzz Lightyear fan. So, you know, when you don't have the iconic voice of Tim Allen you know, behind Buzz Lightyear, that just seems to be, you know, a, a huge disconnect because as you said, SB, like Tim Allen and Buzz Lightyear are, you know, seen as one and the same. Like he, Tim Allen really made Buzz Lightyear so, such a popular, you know, uh, icon and, and figure, at least for, for us personally growing up when we were kids, you know, that's when I think of Buzz Lightyear, I think of him. Uh, so I think that that is a factor, just that the plot isn't good. And then, yeah, moving into the, the wokeness, um, you know, because I, I'm trying to be fair and just like not blame everything 100 percent on the wokeness. Uh, but I think that I truly think this was a big factor for it. You know, as, as you said, SB, the the I think Buzz Lightyear failed. For, you know, they failed for many reasons. But one of the reasons is that they marketed themselves all around this kiss. Like I, if for if those who don't remember, there was a time when there was some debate and some internal conversations happening at Disney there at one point they were deciding to remove the kiss and then they decided to bring it back and they marketed this entire movie around this one scene and that's what became the hype about it was not about 
oh, this is kind of like a prequel to Toy Story or, you know, an origin story for Buzz Lightyear. You know, they, they didn't really focus on the plot. They were more so focused on, uh, you know, this, this woke scene. And then in the context of the movie, this kiss was just such a minor part of it. And it didn't really serve any purpose. You know, there really wasn't any importance behind it. It was just being included in there just to kind of check off this, you know, woke, you know, diversity requirement, this, you know, trying to trying to virtue signal and, and that type of thing. So it, it, w- it was just a really an odd fit. And it was just very transparent that it was entirely politically driven. And as you said, SB, it was perfectly aligned with the Disney employees recorded on video them saying that they have a not so secret agenda, uh, not so secret gay agenda. So that that was the, the whole point of it. And then secondly, you really have to think about the perspective of the parents. And we've talked about this on the show multiple, multiple times, how the parents are now turning into their own unique voting block or a new voting identity where they're transcending their political views or you know, whatever they're registered in voting for, because at the end of the day, their children are number one. And I think that's very important. And that's actually the right way to look at things. Uh, I imagine when I become a parent, I'll probably have very similar views as that. Um, so uh, they, what they see is that, um, you know, again, nothing to do with being anti-gay or anything like that. It's just choosing, you know, parents trying to decide that when they want to expose their children to certain content and, you know, controlling the conversations that they have with them. And I, I have to say, I've been doing a lot of research and, you know, lear- you know, just learning about this from the parents' perspective about why they were so against Buzz Lightyear. And sure enough, I actually found a lot of edification on this on IGN, of all places. So um, uh, for context, I'm a, I'm a video game player. Uh, I like to dabble in video games in my off time. And... Uh, IGN is a source I often go to and IGN, they are, they've become increasingly more woke as most media publications have sadly become over the years where it's their woke messaging. It becomes very apparent in the, in their articles. And these are articles about video games, but they're going to be commenting on transgender characters or race or sexism. That will start to shine through in their articles. And, uh, you know, so in, in, in turn, their comment section has now been moderated by these woke employees who share these views. So as a result of that, the comment section has also become kind of like a woke echo chamber. Um, well, they shared an article about Buzz Lightyear drastically underperforming. And I, and this, I, I looked at this article fresh uh, right when it was first published. So it was too soon for the moderators to, to censor people. And I was reading everything and people were, I was very pleasantly surprised to see people commenting from the perspective of a parent, just sharing very common sense takes on this, where they were saying, look, I have nothing against gay people. Like uh, my best friends are gay or, you know, I myself am gay or, uh, you know, some people just, you know, sharing that they have positive views about gay people, but saying that as a parent, it made them very uncomfortable that, uh, this subject matter was going to be pushed onto their child and that they didn't feel that it was, you know, it, it was their child's turn to be confronted with this and have this conversation that they want to have had that conversation with with their children, not Disney or some, you know, movie pushing it on them. Uh, and then 
Uh, you know, that's a very common sense take on that. Uh, and then they were just, you know, really just trying to explain their stance and just state that, you know, this is a very sensitive subject. And, you know, it's it's not they don't really want to give money to something that has been politicized where they're pushing agenda on something. They just want their kids and themselves to watch something that's going to be fun and entertaining and innocent. That's all they want. So reading these articles, it really just if you were to read it objectively, even if you are in favor of Disney having this scene in it you should just really understand that this is a pretty common sense take. It's nothing based in hate or judgment. It's just people saying, you know, Hey, I'm a parent and I love my children. And I just think that I should have some control and some say in when I have these conversations with my kids about these subjects, I don't want to be in an uncomfortable situation where my kids are asking me these questions that I don't think they're mature enough to have. And I think that's a very reasonable take. And then what I want to conclude with is, Overall, my entire, you know, thought process on this subject is, again, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you will know that I have never once spoken ill about the, uh, the gay community. I've always said to treat, you know, they should be treated just as equally as anyone else, uh, that they deserve all the same rights and happiness as any other as a heterosexual people. I've never said anything negative about about this community. Uh, but just speaking from a objective perspective here uh you know in terms of homosexuality it is a you know historically and socially it's a very taboo subject uh and it's something that is uncommon it's uncommon in in our history it's uncommon society is and it's also frankly it's uncommon in uh in in biology in nature and when i say the word uncommon I don't mean that in a negative or or pejorative way. Uncommon is just literally statistically there are more heterosexual people than than homosexual people. That's just a hey, scientific. It's it's why we're here. It's, it's, exactly, exactly right. Um, and it has is nothing to do. Um, again, uncommon or unnatural does not mean in a negative way. It's just saying you know there's a statistically there's more heterosexual than homosexual people, and. So for kids, when they're at such a young age, they have a very basic understanding of humanity and society. So they just know that a majority of children, I'm not saying all because I know that there are homosexual parents and God bless them, but uh, a majority of children are raised by a mother and a father. And for them, their worldview is that, that that's what relationships are. So for them to be confronted by a children's movie that is now pushing on that and showing a gay couple that completely shatters their worldview. And I'm not saying that they should never be confronted with that or learn that, but I think parents have every right to say, you know what, maybe my kid at the age of five probably shouldn't be t asking, you know, or these questions or, or being confronted with this. Maybe we, they should be a little bit older when they want to talk about sexuality. I think that's a very common sense take. Uh, it's nothing, again, nothing based in hate or judgment. It's just, parents trying to be reasonable about raising their children. So I think that that is my whole take on this, that uh, it's it's something that, again, not nothing. I'm not saying it's evil or bad, but it's just something that's different and, uh, you know, somewhat taboo. And it, it is a little shattering to children to learn at that age. And again, I, I will just conclude with this, that I personally know homosexual parents and they are 
amazing parents. They're no different than heterosexual parents. I luckily grew up next to a homosexual couple and they raised their kids great. They were straight A students. They were involved in sports. They were, they were a fantastic couple. Um, so I have nothing against gay parents or anything like that, but it's just, you know, when, when there's very, you know, delicate conversations, I think parents should have a say in when they, they handle that. So, um, you know, I, I'll just wrap up with that, but I, I, I think that's why we're seeing this backlash now with the, with the Buzz Lightyear movie, because, you know, parent, this is a, a strong signal, SB, that parents have had enough and they don't want this right now. They're not saying they don't want it ever, but for their children, they do not want this type of messaging and agendas in their children's movies. Yeah, I was happy you found those IGN posts because that did remind me of the Reddit rebuttals that we've done where we've gone on these Reddit Bill Maher and the Harry Potter subreddits and the Survivor and, and they've even banned us. So it was interesting that like the like how the Reddits gave us um, a few minutes of a post and then they um, they let us uh, after a few minutes, they took it down on IGN after a few minutes. I don't know if they took that post down, but there's a little bit of free speech in those minutes when the mods don't go for it. Yeah, I think parents, uh, I think you, you totally nailed it where they have the right to introduce these concepts to kids at a certain age. And when you're in a movie like this, yeah, it is uncommon. Like homosexuality is uncommon homosexual parents are uncommon and so the kids are used to their parents and their parents are typically going to be a heterosexual couple so when they when they see in a movie a heterosexual couple they're not going to think twice about it they're watching the movie for buzz lightyear when the kids go to the movie and see a lesbian couple kissing that could be what the whole movie is about to them because it's so new and it requires the parents to have to address that. And when the kid's five years old and love the Toy Story movies and just wants to see Buzz Lightyear, then you, you've really lost the plot. And again, like we've talked about, you can't give Disney the benefit of the doubt when they specifically say, we're putting these in here for an agenda. So I think you're totally right. Parents are totally done. And what I really want to know is that you know, Disney, they're not in the best position right now, where if you look at their stock, it's down from, I think, 200 at the high. It's now mid-90s. There's been rumors about the CEO being on the hot seat. He recently fired a very high-up executive that does TV for them. So there's just a lot of negatives going on around Disney. I think also, you know, I don't know. I've never been a Star Wars guy myself. I haven't been a Marvel person, but... I hear from people who watch those series and those movies that those are degrading in quality, big reason due to those going pretty woke. So kind of this whole Disney enterprise, it's not really doing that great. And so you have to wonder, are they going to pull a Netflix and say, wait a second, we funded this woke for so many years and we have to pull back or are they just going to keep this going? So that's what I'm so interested in because I would prefer that we don't have as much wokeness as we do. Um, moving on here. So so TV, this was kind of fun because we we had a, a woke in the wild that came through and then it kind of evolved to a kind of a three part uh, story here that kind of all leads into into one another. And it's a sort of a societal 
uh, just question of, of, of kind of what are we doing with, with raising the, these young and in this particular situation, kind of raising young boys. So the first story that was the, the woke in the wild that we, I mean, we just saw this and this is one of those woke in the wilds where you, you see it on Twitter and you have to immediately check to see if it's a legitimate article. And this was, so this was an article on vice where the title of it, white nationalists want to reclaim nature as a safe space for racists. I can't even get through it without laughing about it, but there were just some gems in here. Um, and you know, I, I picking out only a couple, I, I could even read the whole article on, on the pod, but one, one that was just amazing. America's national parks were touted as places where all Americans could go to escape the stresses of modern life, though that really meant white Americans. So already we're leading off with just some insane, insane takes. Another one is that they were relating this to Nazi Germany and saying that Nazi Germany was deeply concerned about the longevity of the Aryan race and so encouraged a healthy lifestyle and good diet. And so apparently that is now racist too if you eat healthy. And this goes back to an earlier story we did in the pod where if you worked out, uh, you were racist, so they did that. And then this is one of the last lines in 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 the piece. It, it says, while the organizers of these wilderness outings don't necessarily identify as neo-Nazi or white supremacists, it's clear that they hope these trips will solidify, at a minimum, nationalist ties to the land. So this is just insane. Apparently, hiking and camping is now racist, and... Okay, so so like that's a woke in the wild that we can laugh about and we can say, all right, Vi this is Vice who's known for having some of the most insane takes out there. That's them being crazy. But then we go back to, is this actually only only Vice? And I think the answer might be no, because this is, this is how the number two uh, tweet and story relates to it. This is from a professor of political science and communications at the University of Delaware. She, she tweeted this out the past week. My teen told me something that's been haunting me for weeks. He said, I think almost every white middle school boy is in the alt-right pipeline at some point until some, something or someone pulls them out. And I, I loved what the Matt Walsh response to this was where he goes and he says, have you considered that this might be because all of our most powerful cultural institutions constantly belittle degrade into mean white males and perhaps white males want something more out of life than guilt and self-loathing so this is the situation where essentially they are saying that if you're not if you're a teenage white male and you are not in complete support of the woke agenda that we talk about all the time in this podcast if you do not support that you were alt-right, you were white supremacist. And how can we tell? If, if, if we see you hiking and camping, then you are alt-right. So it, it's just crazy. And, and then the final one here, which I think ties it all together, is that this is from, a, from Nate Hochman, I think, conservative, writes for National Review, although he's this, in the tweet he's saying he's going to be writing an article for The Atlantic. So how conservative is he really be running for The Atlantic? But whatever. He, so his tweet was writing a longish article for the Atlantic this week about why 
young conservatives are so much more radical than their predecessors. I have my own suspicions about the root cause, but curious to hear the thoughts of young writers in here. Why are we so crazy? And so what I want to pose to you, TB, is do you really think that we are radical? Do you think that having borders to stop illegal immigrants, is that radical? Because that protects the lower class of the country to protect jobs. Do you think a merit system for immigrants is radical where instead of a diversity lottery, we're trying to improve the country? Do you think that not printing endless money and taking out huge taxes while going all over the world with our military and getting no benefit, you know, is that radical? So like what, what's radical about the, the right position in this day and age? I completely disagree with what this guy is saying is that people are radical. No, we are, we are not radical. We are middle of the road. We want a great country for us and our, and our kids. And what is happening is the woke left is pulling everybody so far left. Now camping is white supremacist and racist. So yeah, TBI, I, I wanted to pull all three of these together because I think this is the language of the left these days where if you are not completely with them, you are an alt-right white supremacist radical nationalist. And and I just do not think that is accurate. Yeah, I, I'm really glad. Uh, and th- that was beautifully put together, SB. Uh, but I, I, I'm really glad that you raised this topic because I think it's such an important conversation to be had that, frankly, I don't think is happening. Um, so I'm glad that we're doing it now. But... To, to be very abundantly clear, this is not a defense of radicalism. Um, any Anyone who gets radicalized and does heinous things as a result of that radicalization, they have no place in society. There's no tolerance for that. So I just let me preface that by saying that. But uh, what, I, what I will say is that this conversation is, a, is an interesting one and it's an important one about what are the factors that lead into people becoming radicalized? Again, not a justification or defense for it, but just trying to understand where it's coming from. And I, I, I do think a lot of these people who are kind of on the outskirts who, um, or you know, people, people who are being told that they are these irredeemable people simply because of the way that they look and there's something they don't have control over, it forces them to go into these isolated communities where they find other like-minded people and that, in turn, creates a form of radicalization uh, where they, you know, become they, they start to act out on that. So I, I think that is a fair analysis of what what could contribute to someone becoming radicalized. But then to your point that you were making, SB, you're absolutely right that common sense people like us who, again, I've, hopefully by now we've made it abundantly clear that we hold no hate in our heart and we're just normal, you know, average Americans, we, uh, you know, we are just called, we're, we're being labeled as radical simply because of our political views as well as our skin color. So for those, for those reasons, it becomes, it, it just becomes an insanity where you are diminishing, uh, you know, I, this is kind of the same conversation that we have about race. When you call everything racist and, <clears throat> and when it actually isn't, it really dilutes actual racist acts and examples. And it's the same type of philosophy when it comes to this. When you call everything alt-right and radical and Nazi, it dilutes actual examples of that. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. Like you're always, you're always complaining and crying about 
the same thing when they're actually those things aren't happening so when it does happen people take you less seriously because you've called everything racist and and radicalized so this story about the hiking that's a great example you know that's just you know a microcosm of this entire narrative we talked about this on the show uh a few weeks ago but there was a story about how if you were into fitness that made you a alt-right neo-nazi person someone simply just trying to be healthy and shape that made you a racist person so that that's just a great example of this um this type of this type of thinking if you don't fall in party line if you don't parrot what people want then then you are then you are simply uh, an irredeemable person you have no place in society and I, I i think we see a lot of examples of that you know personally in college i saw it i see it in the workplace i see it in just frankly in society where you know you, white people are faced with two options either you just become just kind of this like woke glob that just parrots woke tropes and uh, you just kind of apologize for being who you are and you you then just try to you you live your life just constantly in a state of virtue signaling just to in 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 apologies for trying to make up for the the sins that you're being accused of so you either have that route or you have the other route that's that that we're taking that says wait hold on a second we know who we are we're true to ourselves we don't we are not the people that you're saying that we are and we, we stand up against that and we reject this culture that's happening. And because of that, of that, that we, we dare say no, we're being labeled as these, these crazy people. But, you know, SB, I think I'd rather live in that latter camp because at least we're being true to ourselves. At least we're not being bullied. At least, you know, people can call us whatever we want, but we know who we are. We know our morals and values. We know how we look at other people. So no one else can tell us that. And I'd rather live in truth than live in some fabricated, you know, society that other people will that will approve of and dictate how we live our lives. But, but we're not really happy and not authentic to ourselves. So I, I, I've really had it with it. But I, I do think it's an important conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, I think that was well put. The bullied, especially these teenage boys, especially white males, they are being told that their entire history, the, the white man was racist. They're being told that we were really sexist for a long time, that feminism that's just emerged over the past few decades, that the, the women were being held down for centuries. Um, they, they go to apply for scholarships and there is women focused scholarships and there's diversity scholarships, but are there, you know, there's no specific scholarships for white males, right? So they're, they're seeing all this stuff. And then at the same time, they're basically still being called racist today. And I think that kind of like what Matt Walsh's point was, was that you're doing all this stuff. You don't realize the effect it's having. And it's actually going to have the exact opposite effect for a lot of people. The people that see this and break through it, it's, it's almost like comedy for them to be called alt-right and white supremacists. They laugh it off. Kind of like how me like how me and you would laugh off racist or how you as a Hispanic, they're calling you a white nationalist for being a Hispanic who is right. You laugh it off. But, you know, some people will laugh it off. But some people will say, you know what? Why shouldn't I be a white supremacist? They're already calling me it. So I might as well be that. So we're we're just leading to so much more division among the people in the like so many of the things we talk about on the show always results back to division. 
And when you when you make people hate their history and not like themselves, you're just setting up for a really bizarre and it's a culture that's not really going to work together. So I see stuff like this and, you know, I'm I don't remember this stuff when I was in high school. I don't know if you do. So I sort of I look at this stuff and say it's probably a lot worse than when we were in school. And, you know, because the biggest thing I remember in high school was that when I supported, I supported, I didn't support Obama, of course, because I was, I was conservative back then. And people were calling me racist for not supporting Obama. So that was like the biggest thing that I had to deal with. But now, apparently, Mm -hmm. every now, apparently, if you're in high school and you're, you're white male, you're just racist for doing anything like hiking. So, yeah, I, I feel for these kids. Because because some people are going to see through it, some are not, and uh, unfortunately, they're not going to get the proper resources and guidance they need, and that's just going to lead to a more volatile country. And you know, maybe maybe that's ultimately what this is designed for. And it, it even goes back to our first topic too of like, may, maybe the people in power just want volatility so that the 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 people the ninety nine percent below them. Are focusing on other things besides the one percent taking advantage of the of the ninety nine percent. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget in, in when I was in high school, and um, this was back when I had a Facebook, and I was just kind of exploring my interest in politics. Is when I really started getting into it, and I shared something on Facebook where I was basically saying that like I was I was opposed to Obama. I, I, you know, I wasn't going to vote for him, and I laid out my reasons for, and then I was just hit with a barrage of, oh, you don't want to see a black man succeed. You don't want to see a black man be president. The instant reaction was I, the only explanation for me being against Obama was that I had to be racist, that I had to be this evil racist person. That was my only reasoning for being against him. And they completely ignored that, hey, maybe I don't like his policies, or maybe I don't like the things that he stands for, or you know, maybe I thought that the other guy uh, running against him would have been a better candidate. They just instantly assumed the worst. And that's just an example of that where, and, and you know, right now, I would say I'm more opposed to Biden than I am Obama. I, to be honest, I'd rather Obama right now. Um, I think, I, I still think Obama was a poor president uh, in many ways, but he did do some good things. And I think ultimately he was a very well, you know, well-spoken uh, person who you know he really projected well on 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 stage and was a good speaker so um, at least he had those those really good qualities about him but I can't even say that about Biden so where is the argument there then I'm, I'm even more opposed to Biden but I thought I, I was a, this racist person so am I racist against Joe Biden now like the logic doesn't follow SB they they th- 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 I think that's what's what's really upsetting is like when it comes to politics, they've so intertwined race into it that it just they just boil it down to if you disagree with me, you're racist or if you you can you only have one option, you can only agree with me. And it, it's just like kind of like that bully mentality that we've we've been talking about a lot on this show. And I think that's what it all stems from. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, I, I think, you know, we're seeing the, the voting trends uh, lately and especially in the Hispanic community that we've been talking a lot about, we've been covering a lot about on the show. I think people are real, really waking up to this and, you know, they're having enough of this and, and people are, are realizing that, you know, 
you're it's okay to have different views and you can be very much justified in doing so and that doesn't make you a bad person yeah and and there's irony in the sense that obama is now seen as a failure by a lot of people on the left that he did not go far enough and there's kind of a couple different schools of camps because one of them says like what i just said and then there's another which i agree with as well that he was a, a big corporatist where it, it, he's famous for Obama comes in and immediately he, he hires a bunch of city people, city bank people that basically pick his cabinet. So there's a lot of people on the left that don't really like what he did. But yeah, to your point, I mean, Biden, total disaster. I completely agree with you. I think Biden's been a lot worse. And moving on to our next topic here. I mean, we... <laughs> Biden, every week, it seems like he is worse than the previous week, which is just insane to think about because the guy is just putting up colossal losses all over the place. And I mean, this week was no different. So just a couple of the insanity that was going on. The guy is now blaming gas stations for upcharging consumers. Now, gas stations... They they basically don't make any money on gas. Apparently, they make one to three percent margins, is what I saw, and they're basically not even making money on gas. They're making money on people coming in shopping for snacks. So they are not making that much money on the gas prices. This is not this is not what's happening. So the fact that he's blaming gas stations, the guy has totally lost it. He's cuckoo. He's totally out there, and you know the exact quote he had. Um, he goes to the companies running gas stations and setting the prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you were charging at the pump. Do it now. So TB, th- this is this is price controls. This is one step removed from communism. This is essentially saying soon that the U.S. government is going to want to attempt to control prices. And yeah, I mean, we we both immediately saw that and text each other because we were like, this guy has completely lost it. Yeah, he, he really has. It's, it's the ultimate gaslighting. Like, I think that's been my biggest frustration with this with this administration is that they blame everyone but themselves. They never take personal accountability. And now, like at first it was like, they blamed Trump, then they blamed uh, Putin, <laughs> and now they're now their last resort because people aren't buying these other excuses. So now their last resort is blaming these gas station owners for setting the price. Uh, SB, I didn't realize these like average gas station owners wielded <laughs> so much power over this country. This is news to me. <laughs> they so. they are apparently uh, the ones that decide oil prices around the world. So that's um, in, the, in the mind of Joe Biden, anything is possible. There must be some like secret society of like gas station workers where they just like all group up and like say, "Yep, we're going to coordinate putting our prices at the, at this stage, and we're going to screw the economy." Uh, there must be some secret society somewhere there. Um, that's, that's the only explanation, clearly. But no, it it like when you watch that it should severely piss you off because it just shows that the administration has not learned and that they will continue to kick the can down the road and blame everyone else but themselves. There's zero accountability. So because of that, you can't, ex- you can't reasonably expect them to come up with a solution because when they don't realize that they are at the crux of the issue, 
there's no way that this problem is going to get fixed. They're going to continue to pursue woke green energy policies instead of opening up our pipelines and drilling offshore. Even if you are someone who is totally in favor of, you know, of climate control and, and you're, you're an, a climate activist, I think at the very least you could recognize we are in a very unusual time. We are post a global pandemic and we're in the midst of a, of a war and, you know, may, the drastic times call for drastic measures. So you could say, you know what, we're right now, we're going to take an emergency action. We're going to be investing more in oil production because the time necessitates it. But instead they are really restricting our production here and they are, they are then going to over getting their oil from overseas from pretty horrible places to begin with. But like the logic is lost on them where either way, the, the oil is getting produced. It's, you know, it's getting refined and whether it happens overseas or here is still happening. So because they can't physically see it and we're not, you know, we're not directly doing it, it makes that a easier pill to swallow for them. Like, I, I don't understand what the logic is there. And then, you know, speaking of other logical fallacies, what's even more perplexing to me, SB, is that in, in one, at one time they are t- telling uh, oil, oil uh, companies to uh, beef up uh, production and that they need to step up their game. But then in the same breath, they are saying that within the next five years, they want to dramatically cut back on oil production and that uh, they're going to be very, uh, you know, they're going to have very negative policies towards the, the oil industry. Uh, so if you are someone in charge, if you're in leadership of an oil company, what is your motivation to, to, to make these investments into infrastructure? If you know that just a few years from now, the government's going to be, you know, very against you and trying to, to cut you back. So w- what is the incentive? So I just don't really understand the strategy and game plan here, SB. Like, what are they trying to accomplish? Like, I, I just don't really get it. No, exactly. And they are lecturing the biggest oil companies in the world for hoarding profits when in actuality, this is not what they're doing. If you look at the profits and the stock prices of the Chevrons and the ExxonMobil's of the world, they were hurting pretty significantly. And, you know, Exxon said it last week and we covered this on the show. They took out $30 billion of debt to keep their business going when oil hit negative $40 a barrel in 2020. So this was pretty substantial by them to keep it going. And speaking of the CEOs, I just love how, you know, as as we're doing this podcast and as we see it and we cover these stories the pendulum, it, it's possibly that it's finally swinging back a little bit. And these these uh, executives of these companies, these oil companies, they're finally saying enough. So Exxon said enough a couple weeks ago with their letter. And Chevron, they said enough this week too. So Chevron had a letter and the CEO, he said in the letter that the Biden administration, they have, quote, largely sought to criticize and at times vilify the oil and gas industry. And he also said that bringing prices down and increasing supply is going to require a change in approach from the Biden administration. So I just loved hearing that. And that was in response to the a ridiculous letter that Biden sent them. And, and yet, TB, this is what you're talking about, which, which I'm just going to say. Then Biden was asked about this and he was asked by a reporter about the comments in that letter by the Chevron CEO. 
And he responded that, quote, I didn't know they'd get their feelings hurt that quickly. So what are we even doing here where it's not about helping the American people? It's about the narrative. It's about staying in power. I'm so sick of it. And another thing it might be about is about these stupid green policies that look like, God forbid, we're not Europe yet, but Europe is basically destroying themselves, going a lot greener, greener than we are now. We're not there yet. But I mean, you're like, if we want to look at this, Europe, California, and even to a lesser extent, Texas, because they have a lot of solar and wind there. Those are places that the U.S. can look towards to say, if we make our grid 95, 100 percent renewable, these are the kind of issues that we're going to run into, which is really high prices, which is energy doesn't always flow and which is they they're restarting coal plants, basically, to make up for uh, the energy crisis. So essentially, it's creating energy crisis. That's our future if we continue down, down this path, we're going to get there. But yet the people in power in the Biden administration, they're making comments as if this is almost like a planned demolition to get us off of fossil fuels and onto electric vehicles or onto renewable. Or, you know, there was that, you know, ridiculous comment by uh, Biden's press secretary where Peter Ducey, who's been who's been crushing it, he asked her, like, is What's the cho- what was it? What's the choice? Is the choice between five dollar gas and an electric vehicle? And and she didn't have an answer for it. So it's it's almost like these people in power, their their job is staying in power, and either they're extremely incompetent or they're purposely destroying us in order to usher in new goals, which is elimination of fossil fuels and onto renewables and maybe even onto a recession too. Yeah. When you were talking about Europe, uh, SB, and how that should be kind of like a um, just a, a like a, a, a model to not follow. It should be a cautionary tale, if you will. As you were talking, I just Googled this because I know that recently there's been a lot of buzz around Germany and, you know, uh, becoming reliant on Russian oil. And it reminded me of Trump, I believe it was at a climate summit or, or some form of summit amongst uh, different uh, leaders from throughout the world, where Trump called out Germany and said that the choices they were making by becoming so invested in green woke energy policies was going to make them entirely reliant on Russia for energy. And there's that famous clip of these German dignitaries laughing and making fun of Trump as if like, what, what an idiot, he's so wrong. Well, SB, this is like this is a, a live find right now. So these, I just uh, all I typed in was Germany, Russia, oil. That's all I typed into Google. So here are the response, the, the the articles and links I found from the Guardian. We were all wrong. How Germany got hooked on Russian energy <laughs> from Reuters. Germany risks recession as Russian gas crisis deepens. So uh, from Al Jazeera, Germany moves closer to rationing gas as Russia cuts supply. So this, these are all developments within the past like three or four days where Ger- Germany is now in a borderline recession. You know, they're joining us, sadly, and they're, they might not have gas to supply to their, their people because they have become so reliant on Russia. And now Russia is now uh, depleting its, its exports to Germany. So now Germany is totally screwed. 
So you know what? Like those German dignitaries can they can laugh and and be smug towards Trump, but at the end of the day, Trump was right, and and you know it's just it's incredible. Like you will never hear that from the media. That will ne- they will never admit it. They will never admit that they were wrong. But you just you raised a great point when you talked about Europe, SB. Germany should be that cautionary tale. That's what happens when you get so invested into green woke energy and when you become overly reliant on foreign powers, it's it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it turns out Trump was uh, right about a lot that he was originally laughed about. And hey, another one. So this this was in, you know, I've talked about this before in the pod, but basically when Trump initially put the tariffs on China in 2018, in, in my work, I work in investments, the people that I work with, everybody was saying this will lead to a great global depression. I mean, that was the talking point. And that was not only people that I work with. That was the general consensus on Wall Street. The research pieces from the banks put out that, hey, this is going to be really negative if he does this. Well, what ended up happening? The U.S. benefited from the tariffs because we collected a bunch of money. And you know who ate the cost? China through currency devaluation. So it ended up being totally fine. And a lot of con- a lot of companies moved their operations out of China because of the Trump tariffs. And you know what? They're really glad they did now because with China supporting Russia in the Ukraine situation, um, everyone's scrambling to get their supply chains out of China. So it's just hilarious that that Trump's proven right on the Russian uh, gas you just brought up as well as China too. But I brought that up about China because if you guys have been following us on on Twitter recently, and if you've been following the the recent pod, we said that this is the last pod. We said the great Biden depression is here. And we've been talking about hashtag the great Biden depression on Twitter. TB, I, I work in investments. Every single data point, every last one is pointing towards immediate recession. This is, you know, whether it's consumer confidence, whether it's manufacturing index, whether it's bond yields, whether it's the Biden administration claiming we're not in a recession, which almost certainly means we're in one, whether it's the Federal Reserve chairman saying that it's not their quote unquote intention to cause a recession, but it's possible there is one. I mean, everything is going down. The, cons- the health of the consumer is just totally in the dumps. And if you think about it, the consumer, they're facing $5 gas. They're facing 15% food inflation. They're facing the destruction of their investment portfolios, whether that's stocks, bonds, crypto, Bitcoin, and it's going to be real estate soon. We talked about it on the last show. Real estate's coming down soon. Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. So total destruction of wealth plus all this inflation, the consumer is just going to stop spending. They're, they're going to be tapped out. They're not going to be able to support an economy that, that as the U.S. has shifted over the past few decades, a lot of their manufacturing out of the U.S. into China, into these other countries, we, we're headed for a really bad place right now. So the, the data points are coming in. We're almost certainly in a, in a recession right now. And yet what we hear from the White House is that they don't see a recession. 
we're not in a recession. So we talked about it before the show, too, which I thought was interesting, that imagine imagine Trump actually imagine this was happening under Trump and what the media reaction would be if we were having this recession or even the Great Depression. I mean, basically, the media was freaking out about the tariffs potentially causing a, a recession that didn't end up happening. Imagine we were actually in one. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, TB, this this economy is falling faster than Joe Biden off of a bike. <laughs> Biden is literally that meme of like the person riding the bicycle and then sticking a stick in their bike and falling over. And he's like, oh, why did Trump do this? Or you know, like, or why did Putin do this? Um, that's I saw that meme going around. It was just perfect. But, you know, speaking of, of the media not being... You're absolutely right, SB. They'd be having a field day uh, on this. They'd be, you know, blaming him for everything. Um, but instead, because Biden's and Trump, we get the exact opposite. You know, they are, you know, massaging him and, you know, really just trying to protect him and give him the benefit of the doubt. And look, this is not just a Republican talking point here. Here's some evidence for you. The L.A. Times, they had a headline uh, either today or yesterday. Yes, a recession looks inevitable, but it may not be that bad. Here's why. Today as well, Bloomberg had an opinion piece that said, inflation is a lesson in appreciating what you had instead of just complaining about losing it. So there, there are many other articles like this, but these two stand out just given their, you know, just the, the gravitas that these have. And they do hold a lot of sway in public opinion, unfortunately. But can you imagine the LA Times or Bloomberg publishing article puff pieces like this if trump was president and a recession was happening under him absolutely not they wouldn't be trying to spin oh here's why a recession is good for you here's why it's a learning lesson no absolutely not so it's that is my biggest critique of the, of the media just that they have you know they are in so, so in the tank for the democrat party and what's even worse they're shameless about it sb they're not even attempting to hide it anymore that they just are, they just think the American people are stupid and they just frankly don't care. They are just becoming, you know, incredibly transparent that they are no longer objective. That is the whole purpose of, of journalism. It's supposed to hold governments accountable and call them out on their shit so that way the people can understand what the government's doing wrong or could be doing better. But instead, they become effectively another branch of the government. And that's a very bad thing. That's how you move into you know, states that become totalitarian when they have propaganda wings like this. And obviously, you know, this, you know, uh, it's a little, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be dramatic when I say that, but, you know, there, there is some truth. There's a kernel of truth to that. You know, I, I, that's, that's what's scary and sad about this, that I'm not really, you know, being, you know, being all that dramatic about this. So it's, it's an absolute, it's an absolute just insanity and a joke that they're doing this. But then to make it even worse, it's not just our media that's saying this, SB. Then you have our press secretary who day in and day out, she's just denying that this is even happening. And she's saying that, you know, uh, this is the, the economy has never been better. And, uh, you know, Biden, Biden himself is saying the same thing, that he's getting mad at people for complaining. He's like literally yelling on TV, saying that, you know, things have never been better. And the people just they need to be trained to see. To, to, they're not used to seeing goodness because of the last administration. So they just need to wake up and open their eyes. And like a great example of this was uh, today, 
uh, there was another uh, conference where uh, the press secretary was asked by Peter Ducey from Fox News about, you know, just kind of what's going on with, with the recession as well as the gas crisis. And he was basically saying, you know, Americans are stuck with two options, either pay for five, over five dollars a gallon for gas or, you know, the, the White House is pushing people to get electric vehicles. Well, the average cost of an EV is sixty one thousand dollars right now. So he's just saying, like, what is the plan here? Like, how, how is that how is that affordable for the American people? And she just had no answer for it. It was just like painful to watch her try to to, to attempt an answer to that. And I, I think that's what's the most frustrating part about this SB is that the White House is completely out of touch with this, that they are they're hurting average people. They they assume that everyone is these like woke wealthy elites that they can stomach the pain of a recession that they're that they can afford to pay a little bit more at the pump or pay a little bit more for their cost of goods like they can't fathom that people who make the average salary or even less what they the strains that they must be going through right now to pay for that like the pain seems almost intentional that they they want people to become you know moving into electric vehicles or becoming overly reliant on the government like, I, there's no other explanation for it. Like, it sounds malicious when you say it, but when the government is not being empathetic towards towards people really financially struggling right now and not making any attempts to ease that ease that ba- uh, that burden, I, I really can't think of anything else but that alternative. And I hope I'm wrong, SB, but it, it increasingly day by day it seems like that's that's the case here. It really does. It, it's so frustrating to see because you don't want people leading your country that do not uh, support the country. And it almost seems like that's happening. I think the good news of this, which I'm encouraged by, I mean, we saw it with Myra Flores, but you look at these po- that the poll numbers are just so bad. We've, ne- we've never seen poll numbers this bad. I mean, this is even another thing that the media always love to hate on Trump's approval rating. Well, Biden's is worse. And there was one that came out this this week, which is just incredible. 25% approval rating among 18 to 34 year olds. And then Hispanics were the lowest race. I think at 26% approval rating. So lower than whites. So the 18 to 34, I mean, we, this is what we've always known where the younger people typically are liberal. And this has been a, a consistent voting base for the Dems, you know, the, everyone knows some Bernie bros in their life. If you're around our age, I mean, that's just common. You know that they're, you know, some of them maybe are dumb, but some of them are just hopeful and they think socialism is the answer. Obviously it's not, but they think it is. And, and you can kind of chalk that up to being naive, but it, 25% approval rating, clearly something's up. And I think the young people seeing through the propaganda is a great sign. And then I love this one too. Another poll was out. Only 11% of people believe that high gas prices are due to Putin. So hashtag Putin price hike, that ain't working. So, you know, maybe they saw the, these polls, the Democrats, and they said, you know what? We maybe should actually start admitting that inflation is actually happening because the Putin price hike isn't working. So, yeah, really, really happy to see that. And I just think, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a sad situation. But TB, let's end on something funny. Let's end on something that we can have a laugh about. 
headline out this week. This this was not a defunding the woke, but this was a funding the woke that the Obamas. So waiting with with bated breath on the Obamas and their content production. They are officially moving their podcast deal. The one that tens of people have listened to over the past couple of years. They are officially moving their podcast deal from Spotify to Amazon. So TB, are you getting psyched to hop onto Amazon after we're finished recording tonight and listen to the latest Obama podcast? As we speak, I am submitting my uh, Audible uh, account right now. So uh, Amazon has won my money. Uh, <laughs> now, it, like, SB, uh, did they even, like, have a show on Spotify? Like, I know they signed for a monster contract. I just, like, I don't remember, like, anything ever coming of that. So, like, what a nice life it is to be in, in Obama. Like, they, he is just raking in the cash right now. Oh, it's unbelievable. They do production deals with Netflix for content. They do book deals. They do these these now audio deals. Yeah, I think there was a controversy because apparently Michelle Obama was supposed to have this amazing podcast for Spotify and it ended up not working out. And, you know, I actually don't think this is the only person that's left Spotify recently. So I think Spotify now, I'm not sure they're woke, but they, they've had their troubles, which includes... I think that they've deleted some of the uh, some of the Joe Rogan catalog, which is annoying. And we actually have a we have a covid restriction on one of our podcasts early on. So I guess Spotify has gone kind of woke. We'll see if they censor us in this one or not. But yeah, the, these companies like like Spotify, Netflix, they they rode the wave of growth at all costs. You just want to see revenue growth and sub growth. And then. The markets kind of halted in 2022, and all of a sudden, Spotify and Netflix weren't generating that much cash flow, and they decided, you know, they can't fund the woke. And there, there's a Twitter account um, and a guy like interacting with, um, I think it's called Clendathu Cap. I don't know, but anyway, like he made the point that woke being woke is a luxury good, right? So if you're in this, if you're in an economy of excess wealth and cheap credit and and easy monetary conditions you can afford to be woke because you don't have to make that profit right you don't have to show these these great cash flows in order to be highly valued we're getting to that point now but we were living in excess for the past decade so a lot of this wokeness i think that we're seeing that's brought about by the how the economy was doing and just the fact that these companies weren't being judged on actual results. They were only being judged on growth. So I'm just so happy to see that whether it's for what I just explained or for whatever reason it is, the business models are breaking. They're cutting the woke. And you know, to, to bring it back right back around to the beginning of the show, what what this has proven, what Buzz Lightyear is going to prove, what DeSantis has proved by going after these, these woke corporations – they care about the bottom line. They have been able to get away with being ultra woke because no one has ever called them out on their shit. DeSantis is finally starting to, I hope others will, because, I, you know, it's like the NBA with China. The NBA doesn't say a word about China. You know why? Because they want those TV contract deals. That's why. 
So it's the same thing with the woke corporations in the U.S. They can say all the woke they want, but when someone challenges them and says, we're not going to give you funding for your facility or we're not going to give you the opportunity to expand Disney into its own town unless you stop being woke, they're going to shut up. And that's what's so beautiful about this is that it, it, it took DeSantis, it took someone finally doing it until we realized that, wait a second, we can just stand up and say we're not going to take it anymore and they will fold. So, yeah, I'm just so happy to see this. It's I guess it's it's a fun in the woke okay. Amazon, but of course, like it's Amazon. Like, what are the what do you expect with Amazon? They're the big one of the biggest companies in the world. It's defunding at Spotify, and yeah, hey, may, maybe one day it will happen to Amazon. Maybe one day Amazon will 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 fall prey to not being able to spend on woke either. Yeah, I mean, eventually people people. I mean, for lack of a better term, SB people wake up. <laughs> they go from woke to waking up and uh i think we've seen it we've seen a lot of examples like this like netflix most recently sending a message to their employees that if they don't you know that they've had it with their woke ideologies and if they don't like it if they don't like the new direction the company's going in they, they can leave like the woke does not pay it does not and beyond just like the economic ramifications of it because you know that's important but you know, at the end of the day, morality and like right and wrong is more important than money, at least in my opinion. But beyond that, people just don't have tolerance for wokeism anymore. Uh, we're seeing it in so many examples. We're seeing in elections. We're seeing in business decisions companies are making. There's so many examples of this happening. Uh, so, you know, at Amazon, they, they have the capital to take these risks and, you know, they can invest in virtue signaling just for the sake of it. But, you know, I, I think more, more businesses, more, more people are going to increasingly move against it. So, you know what, you know, the Obamas are going to cash in on their name. They're going to make a, a ton of money. You know, that's, you know, fortunately that's just how our political class is. I mean, you know, this is a whole other subject, but take a look at the trades that are, you know, on both sides that Republicans and Democrats are making you know they are outperforming you know the s p five hundred so uh it's just a sad reflection of our politics where uh people are not just you know I'm okay with politicians making some money off of this and you know you know being somewhat wealthy but not to a degree like this where you know obama's he's probably a billionaire or probably close to it um I, I think that should give people some pause about, you know, is this really what's what's best for our country? But either way, you know, Amazon, you can make this, these the decisions, but I think more more people are waking up and uh, realizing that woke doesn't pay anymore. Yeah, it is. I think that was the CPAC uh, Conservative Political Action Conference. I think that was their line. It, it was awake, not woke, which. um yeah, that's really what we're trying to do here. We are we are providing the antidote to all the wokeness, and there's a lot of it. So I and look, I I think you know not not to toot our own horn, but we we have been calling for the Great Biden Depression for a long time, and the last episode we we talked it, and all the data points this past week came in. So um, pe- people are loving that episode. It's been getting a lot of views lately. So. If you haven't checked that one out, um, definitely do so. But yeah, TB, I, th- I thought this was great. We covered a lot in this one, went in depth on some of these key points. And 
Yeah, I, I think there's good news, which I'm happy about. Um, you know, certainly if it was all good news, then we wouldn't have the pod anymore. But yeah, there, there's good news. We can discuss it. But, you know, but you all you also see some ridiculousness. Like, you know, one of the things that we, we didn't touch on, but the ridiculousness of Biden having that uh, note card today where he's <laughs> literally being told how to walk, like walk into the room and sit down. And this is when you talk. I mean, it's just total catastrophe weird joke to everybody and i think when when we have this pod i I want the listeners to know that the the reason we're so negative about the country as it currently stands is that we could be a great country i mean the america we grew up in I, i think was fantastic we've just gone so far into this woke rabbit hole the past few years in the past five to ten years we gotta get out of it somehow and I think that's why we do the show because we just want more and more people to understand and know that like, they're not the only ones that are thinking this. Like this is, this is the, a lot of people are thinking this. Yeah. I, I think that was well said SB. It's not for, we're not so negative because we hate the country. In fact, it's the opposite. It's we, that we love this country so much and that like, it just saddens and pains us to see the direction it's moving in. It's becoming a country we don't recognize anymore. And it's, it's just becoming very weak. And, you know, the Joe Biden uh, note card situation, like, you know, the defense we're hearing is like, you know, like Trump, he was caught with a note card, too, about like the specific questions he sh- he w- he should ask and like reminders to be empathetic, like whatever. Um, you can criticize that if you want. Like personally, like if I'm looking at it objectively, I think it's OK to have, you know, if you're especially you're trying to cast yourself in a certain light it's okay to have reminders about like, here are the key questions you want to make sure that you ask. And like, Hey, by the way, like make sure that you're being empathetic. Like I, like personally, I don't think I should be, I need to be told to be empathetic. So like maybe you want to criticize that, but whatever. But Biden's literally being directed on like, you sit in your seat, you say hello when you walk in the room. Like he, it's literally like instructions on how to be a human being. And like, it's frankly, it's pretty sad. Like I actually do feel bad for him. I think like, he's clearly shown signs of dementia. So like, I'm not even trying to dunk on him. Like I truly do feel bad for him, but it makes us look very weak on the world stage. Like these different world leaders have to be licking their lips right now, knowing that America is in a very weak state and that they can take advantage of it. So, you know, America is no longer like the world's police when you have Biden in charge. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's like sad to see that. uh, But you know, I, I, I think like, you know, th- that's where it comes from, though. Like we we want America to be an exceptional country for everyone and we hold it to that standard. And that's why we, it may seem like we're harsh, but that's where it's coming from. It's not out of negativity. It's actually for a love of our country. Um, and then, you know, like SB, I, I think like, you know, just to close out this episode, like you're right, like not to toot our own horn, but we have called a lot of things, you know, ahead of time. We, we pride ourselves on that, on being ahead of the curve and like having a good finger on the pulse of, of the nation. And, you know, like, look, n- neither of us pretend to be any experts here. Like we started this podcast saying we're two normal dudes that are just like interested in politics. We each have different backgrounds, but we were, we're really just like these average guys who just want to like, you know, we, we already talk about it. So we want to start a podcast and maybe find a community of people that like resonate with what we're talking about and how we feel. And I think the reason why we've been so on top of that is just because like we kind of see through the bullshit. Like 
we don't get caught up in we don't get caught up in like political narratives or agendas we don't get caught up in like woke ideologies like we are just average people who are just taking in what's happening around us and making judgments on it and it's just like all coming from common sense and at the end of the day common sense just wins the day and i think that's why we have been calling things and have been right on a lot of our predictions so you know yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even like really necessarily say kudos to us, SB. Like, obviously, that's great to see it. Like, it feels validating. But like, I, I hope like more people are like this. Like, if you just are normal and reasonable and common sense, like you too will see through it and can like just make just rational judgments on the world. I think we need more of that. And, you know, that's why I'm like so proud of how, the direction this podcast is going in. But anyways, with that, it, I mean, this was a fun, you know, woke at night. Uh, I'm glad that we did this, SB. We got to do a little bit more of this. It's, it was fun to uh, to do a show while uh, partaking in some uh, in some uh, drinks. So, uh, you know, I know it inspired and, and fueled a bunch of my rants today. But um, I don't know. I don't know what you thought, but I, I had a blast. No, this was great. I I think us um, when you find the topic you're passionate about, um, the the juices really flow. And yeah, to your previous point, it goes back to the second topic in the pod. We're not radical. And I, I think some people, they might actually think that some of these views that they have are radical because that's sort of how the media is describing it. No, common sense is not radical. It seems that way because of the crazy world we're living in. But yeah, no, to all the listeners out there, you know, we we encourage you to share this with like-minded people and people that maybe aren't the same political persuasion but are pro-common sense. I mean, it's essentially... You know, we're a pro common sense podcast. That's what we try to do. So, yeah, no, I, I had a ton of fun. This was a blast. And uh, yeah, TB, I'm, I'm certain there will be a lot more wokeness to be covering very shortly again. Perfect. Well, that concludes our first woke at night. I don't know. We can wordsmith this SB, but I kind of like that. It reminds me of Nick at night. So woke at night. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it um, woke at night's got a nice ring to it. I think this is the first of many. Yes. So with that, uh, we'll close out. I know we've been, uh, the two of us have been pretty busy lately, but we're going to try to fire off another episode shortly soon after, because there's a lot of wokeness for us to, to catch up on and cover. And we have plenty more in the, in the, uh, in the chamber here. So uh, stay tuned for the next one, folks.